I love hearing from our missionaries because they, they fire me up because they understand in their context exactly what the big deal is. And sometimes we discount it. Sometimes there's some things that uh, we, don't, we don't look at that way. But when I'm around people like that, I, I feel like the old boy that entered his donkey in the Kentucky Derby. And, of course, he got beat terribly. And everybody afterwards is asking the man, why in the world would you, you do that? Why would you enter your donkey? You know, he had no chance. I love the man's answer. I just thought the association might do him some good. And guys, when I get around people like that, I hope the association does me some good. Because we're really bad about saying, that's not a big deal. Even when we come to missions, we're like, why why would we want to give all this money to Turkey and Malawi and China? What's the big deal about that? And sometimes we have to be woke up to to what truly is the big deal. Uh, Most of you know, for years we lived in Tuscaloosa. And uh, Tuscaloosa, honestly... It's always been like Tornado Alley. If you've ever lived there, you know the sirens are going off all the time. And I remember as a student, nobody took it seriously. You'd either just fall back in bed, or, or I can remember students going on the top of a flat-roofed apartment complex, putting their chairs out there and just watching. It just wasn't a big deal. And I remember when Stephanie and I lived, in there, lived back in Tuscaloosa one night, a tornado hit, and it, it blew a really big tree on the side of our house. Lindsay had just been born. Laura and Lindsay were in the same room. We had some people we hardly knew living in our basement. And so it, as soon as the tornado hit, Stephanie and I jumped up, ran the room, grabbed the babies, went down the stairs. I did not recognize until I got there. I only had my underwear on. <laughs> Thank God I was not sleeping in the buff, okay? <laughs> and, and, and the poor people sleeping in our um, uh, basement, you know, the, the tornado did not damage them, but that sight did, okay? <laughs> but, but after that, we sort of woke up to, hey, this is for real. When you hear a siren, you do something. And certainly on April the 27th, 2011, anyone who lived in that city woke up to, to a, a tornado that made a, a mile and a half swatch right through the city. And you go back there now, and when a siren goes off, it's a big deal. And guys, when it comes to us, we've got to personally own the mission for it to become a big deal to us. That's what's a big deal to Joy and Ann and to, to Katie. And my friends, when we see what God has given us, when we hear the, hear the words of Jesus for ourselves, John 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You see, guys, we talk about missions. It's not a complex idea. The word mission simply means sent. We are a sent people. And this morning, I want you to know that you are every bit as sent as Joy and Ann and Katie or Peter or Paul or John. And it's a big deal. Let me give you quickly three reasons Missions is a big deal. Number one, it's the cross of Christ. It's the cross that says God wants everybody to be saved. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced. What are we convinced about, Paul? We are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he who died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them was raised again. And then look at this. 
How does it change the way we live our life? So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. What's the big change here? The cross said everybody is loved by God. Jesus died for all. And so I I don't look at people, you know, as black or white or Hispanic or Democrat or Republican or whatever division you may use. Those divisions don't apply anymore. Everybody's looked at the same in Jesus Christ. And everybody is desired by God. I mean, look at this passage. I love 1 John 2, verse 2. Listen closely to this. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. I get that. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Read that out loud with me. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, we're about, in just a moment, I'm about to pray, and we're going to go to Lord's tables, where, where, where you're going to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And today, what I want you to know is that what you're partaking of is not just for you. How bad if you have something good and you keep it in? I'm part of a life group right now that's been really great, and we've just exploded with growth, and we're multiplying right now during the break because... Here's what we're saying is we want other people to experience what we've experienced in, in group life. And when we experience Jesus, we want other people to experience it because it's not just ours. I get really bothered when I hear Christian people say the Jewish people are God's chosen people. I get even more bothered when I hear people say America is God's chosen nation. Neither of those are true in the new age. Jesus died for all. His grace is extended to everyone And so today, as you go to the table to partake, there are tables all around the room. Would you please go? And today, would you change the focus? The focus today is not what Jesus did for me. It's not even what Jesus did for us. Today, I'd like to see the focus be on what Jesus did for the whole world. I I love the old Max Licato illustration. He says, if Jesus had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. But in some ways, I don't like that. Because the truth is, the population of the world just moved past 7 billion. And almost 50% of those people are part of people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus. And so what I would say to you today, if God has a refrigerator, he has an amazingly large refrigerator, and there are 7 billion people pictures on it. And so for day, today as you partake, would you think about who you want to see encounter Jesus? Would you pray for our missionaries that are sent around the world and us missionaries that are sent in this area to rejoice in what God has done for us? But no, he didn't just do it for us. He did it for everybody. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that the cross says that missions are a big deal and that when Jesus died his atoning death, it wasn't just for me. It wasn't just for us. It was for everyone. And because of that, we pray as we go to these tables today
that it won't be a time of selfishness. It will be a time of vision of what you could do through us across the world. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I hope you'll be reminded in a very vivid way that the cross of Christ says the gospel is for everybody. And now the second point of, of why this is a big deal is the command of Christ. You know, we, we often talk about the great commission. We look at a couple of renditions of them. But if you'll read scripture closely, Jesus gives the great commission five different times in five different ways in five different books. In fact, between the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, he talks about little else. Why? Because he wants to get this point across. You ever want to get a point across to somebody? You having a hard time doing it? One of the most frustrating things about my family growing up and my children is that I could never teach them to cut the lights off. I mean, if I'd come home... You know, and they'd gone after we left, everything's on. And so, you know, you try all kinds of tracks. I would go, okay, guys, you know, I've been noticing lately, lights have been on. Would you please, please cut them off? Or then you try the track that we all leave at the same time. Before we leave, everybody's going to their room, and please cut off all the lights. And that wasn't working very well. And so, finally, I started charging them a dollar for every light I got. I was getting rich. It was awesome. A dollar. And then finally, I'm like, that's not even working. We're splitting the power bill up, guys. It's going to be that bad. So you try every kind of track to get this little point across. Well, what Jesus is trying to do is he knows that we are naturally selfish. That it can take him really getting our attention and making a big deal about this for us to understand that we're on a mission that's bigger than us. And so five times, let's just look at him, just word for word. Gospel of Matthew. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. The Gospel of Mark. Very simple. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Luke, a little bit different. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise to the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Then John, we saw that one earlier. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then Acts, right before Jesus goes back to heaven. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Listen, this is a big deal to Jesus. So big, he talked about it five times. Because he wants us to understand that what he's saying here is a command to be obeyed, not an option to be considered. Too many of us treat this like an option. Well, will I really be on a mission or not, you know? Well, think about more than just me and my family and what the church does for them. Or will I be there to, to help reach other people? Will I give money just toward things that help me? Or will I give money for things that reach the world? It, it's a command to be obeyed. It's not an option to be considered. 
So listen to his command. And understand that to Jesus, this is a really big deal. Number three, one more point here. The coming of Christ. In, in, in the first century, what really motivated people is that they believed that Jesus was coming back any moment. In fact, when we go back to that passage in Acts, after he gives that great commission for the last time, they're looking up. I mean, he's ascended to heaven, and they're, they're just looking up. Look in verse, verse 11, Acts chapter 1. This same Jesus, the angel says, who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go to heaven. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? I mean, he's given them the commission. He's gone back to heaven. They're just gazing, and the angel says, what are you guys waiting on? Don't you have a job to do? Let's get with it. I mean, get, get, get going, get sharing, get speaking, get talking, get, get loving on people in the name of Jesus. Don't, don't just stand here. You've been assigned a job, and you only have a limited amount of time between now when Jesus came and when he's coming back. In fact, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul is trying to motivate us in this mission. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us will receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is like to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What are you saying, Paul? We know there's a day coming when God will come back and we'll all meet him. In view of that coming, let's be busy persuading people to follow Jesus. You see, the early Christians so believed he was coming back, they actually were excited about it. You know this? We don't pray this prayer very often. They actually requested him to come back. One of their most popular prayers was Maranatha which is simply, Lord, come quickly. We want you to come now. But there's an indicator in 2 Peter chapter 3 that God has not come back, and nobody really knows when he's coming back, but the one thing that has kept him from coming back is that he wants more people to come to know him and be saved. They had this sense of urgency, and and today what I say to you is, guys, I, I think because... Let me put this bluntly, and I'm saying it to me as much as I'm saying to you, okay? So don't get offended with me. Because we really, really, really don't believe he could come back any second now, we are missing urgency. Nobody in this audience is against mission work. Nobody in this audience is against reaching your friend or your neighbor or your relative. None of us are against those things. We're just not urgent about it. The the word urgent means it demands immediate attention. Now, we understand the difference. It's it's, it's like this is what happens in our house. If we've got some company coming, let's say we know a month from now, maybe some relatives are coming to stay with us, we'll always say this, okay, over over the next few weekends, let's be getting the house ready. Let's just sort of pace ourselves and, you know, we'll do this and this and this and this and this. But the truth is, we hardly ever do that, all right? We, we just, so, you know, they're coming. And then about, you know, the day they're coming, about three or four hours before, it's like, oh, my goodness, they're about to be here. Anybody experience this? You tenure, do you like your parents when company's coming? No, they're mean, ugly, demonic people, okay? 
you don't like, but because we all of a sudden get in this crazy rush that we got to get everything in place and everything clean. In just a, a few hours, all of a sudden, we've got a sense of urgency. And, and let's be honest, I don't like it that way, but the truth is we get a lot of done quickly. And guys, when we get a sense of urgency about this, then things will change. What's missing among us is that sense that we got to do it and we got to do it now. I've been eating lunch with a lot of folks lately, and I've just got a question. I've been asking all, anybody that's a member here at Landmark, I just sort of offhandedly, non-offensively ask, do you attend Bible class? And I've really, honestly, I've had no one get offended with me, nobody push back, nobody say, I don't care about that. Everybody says, you know, I really ought to be doing that. I, I need to do that. But the truth is, that's not going to get them to Bible class. Well, some get in a Bible class is they've got to get urgent about, I'm going to do that next Sunday. You know, all of us say we need to spend time with the Lord. We need that quiet time. The question is, are you going to do it? Some of you here are going, you know what? I really need to surrender my life to Jesus and, and fall at his feet and be baptized and meet him in his death, burial, and resurrection. But, but I just, you know, I've got plenty of time. Or I really need the prayers of the church. I mean, every Sunday there's almost someone who says to me afterwards, man, buddy, thank you for that message. I should have come forward. And what God will say to you is, why didn't you? You need to do it right now in the moment. So today, I just want to get your attention about two things that are really urgent upon us. All right? Two big deals that are going to happen in the next two weeks that are actually going to determine if we as a church will fulfill our mission in the next year. Now, let me just confess something. We've been throwing a lot at you guys lately. Man, we got so much going on the first year. 21 days of prayer every morning. We got sanctuary been going on on Sunday nights. You know, we've got Mission Sunday coming up. We got $215,000 to raise. We're reorganizing small groups. And so here's what I think, guys. In the midst of this, we, uh, we didn't get your attention. But, but, but today, we must get your attention. And there are two things that we're going to focus on because these are core. A couple of Sunday nights ago, I was pretty ticked off because hardly anybody showed up for sanctuary. And I was just, I was griping about it and I was talking to Stephanie about it and she, she said, buddy, what did you preach about this morning? She said, there are some things that are big deals and some things that are little deals. You need to believe your own sermon, okay? No, don't go too far with that, okay? <laughs> but today I'm talking to you about two big deals that determine whether we fulfill our mission or not. Let me give them to you. Number one is our mission's contribution next Sunday. Next Sunday. You, you recognize as a church, we live on a 51-week budget, okay? And so Mission Sunday, everything in that contribution, none of it goes for local operations here at the church. It goes to our missions across the world, prison ministry here, RSVP, the shed. It goes for those ministries, Every dime. And so $215,000 is not just a shot in the dark. It's actually what we need to carry on what we're committed to. And so next Sunday, we will find out whether we can do that or not. And then number two is our small group ministry. We, we as you know, are a small group church. We think what happens here is really awesome, but we believe that if, if people don't get in a small group, they won't experience church on the level that God wants them to. Why? Because when you get in a small group, you begin uh, to experience 
spiritual friendships. So the, I read the best definition of friendship I've read in a long time this week. It said, a friend is a person who listens to you talk, and when they hear what's going on in your life, they say two words. You too? I, I relate. I connect to what you're going on to. And we all need that person. You see, you come to church like this, and everybody looks good and acts good, and you think, man, I got these problems that nobody else does. But I'll guarantee you, when you get in a small group and you're talking about problems with your children or problems in your marriage or financial trouble or with your job, and you, you, you happen to just say, hey, man, I'm having a hard time at work, someone's going to go, me too. I'm having a hard time, you know, I need to be a better husband, I need to be a better wife. Me too. And God, in those moments are life-changing. Because in that moment, not only do you have that me too moment, but you begin to sharpen each other, you begin to strengthen each other, and you begin to help each other through prayer to be different. So that's why we tell people when they come here, if you don't get involved in one of our small groups, we're probably not going to do a really good job with you. That's where we do it. That's where the early church did it. They had incredible assemblies, and then they went from house to house. So I, I love these two big deals because... They really are great measures of our commitment. The mission's contribution is we've got to put our money where our mouth is. The small groups is a commitment of time. You, you want to know what really means a lot to you? Where do you give your money and where do you give your time? It's just that simple. And so, guys, we've got an incredible opportunity in the next two weeks to make a statement about the mission God's given us. Now, I want you to look in your bulletin. First of all, within the bulletin, there's a picture of this card, okay? There's a picture of the missions. That, that's the card we will fill out next Sunday. Our, our goal is, if possible, to raise all that money next Sunday. But we know for some of us, it can do better for us if we make a pledge. So you will fill that out next Sunday. I'd like you to be thinking about it right now and what you'll put there to be a part of what we've been talking about for a month. And then also reach in your copy of Lifelines. And there's a little small group sheet. Everybody take that out if you would, okay? And I want to start on the side that says 2017-18 ABC groups. We, we, we have primarily two different kinds of groups here at Landmark. Our ABC groups, which are building-based groups here on Wednesday nights, and our life groups, which are home-based groups, okay? And um, I am so fired up about what we're going to be offering on Wednesday nights. I mean, you can look down this list. Many of these are things we've offered for years that have found a great niche, but let me just tell you about the five new ones on this list. Marriage enrichment. Man, who doesn't need to go work on their marriage a little bit? Teen parents group. Teenagers are here by almost 100 on Wednesday nights. If you're a teen parent, don't drop them off. You go to this group, and, and this will be like a teen parents life group. I love this one, Balancing Act. We've had a, a great men's class for years that will continue called Camo for Christ, but that doesn't fit every man. And so Balancing Act is going to be, as a man that's a father and a husband and a worker and a disciple, how do you balance all of these things and keep the balls up in the air? Some of you on Wednesday night, your brain is fried. And it would be so much better for you if you could just go do something for somebody. That's what serving together is about. And then some of you may want to try something we're try starting called Faith and Fitness where you'll actually meet on the gym floor. There'll be some teaching about faith and fitness and healthy living, and you will actually exercise. So if you look down this list, man, there is something for everybody. 
And so we look at that. Now look on the other side with me for a moment. This is where I really have got to have your help this morning. When it comes to our home-based groups, which we think are awesome, now some of you are going to choose, like I do, I'm going to be a part of a life group on Sunday, and I'm going to be a part of an ABC group on Wednesday night. Many of you, but many of you, honestly, you are too pressed for time for that. And so our request for you as a church is that you would find at least one group. Now, our, our, our life groups are those home-based groups, and if you're going to lead one of those, I need to get your information today so we can start knowing. We're also starting something we thought is going to be a good way to get your, your feet wet into this. If maybe you hadn't been in a group or hadn't been in a group for years, we're starting what we call host groups. And this is just a seven-week commitment through our spiritual warfare series. And all you need is a heart for people to open your home, to serve a snack, and to push a button. We will give you a DVD curriculum. You will have to be a leader, just a facilitator, just push the button, and we'll ask the questions. And so for some of you, all you need to do is just sort of round up five or six friends, say, we're going to start meeting, we're going to try this for seven weeks, if we feel really good about it, we will keep it going as a group. But, but right now, if possible, I, I need you to fill as much of this out. If you don't know all the information, that's okay. Is there a target group, an age group, a community that you're trying to reach out to? If you know, do you know your meeting time? Do you know whether you're going to include children in your group or not? But what we need today is either hand me this in the back, go to the table in the back, or either just leave this on your pew. But, but what I'm begging you is don't make us chase you down. We need this information. So when new people come in here, like Wes mentioned a moment ago, we have an amazingly large one-on-one class. We've got to be able to say to those people, here are the groups. They're already asking. What are the groups we can be involved in? So we need a listing. We are hoping that at least a dozen of you who are not in a group will start one of these host groups. And so please, please turn that in. Now here's what I want to do so that we don't forget this, okay? I want to tell you, I want everybody to take your phone out for a moment, all right? Let's go ahead and put the next screen up there. At 6 o'clock tonight, I want you to set your alarm, okay? Just go into your phone, find 6 p.m., cut the alarm on, and and here's what I'm asking. This is so simple. We're not meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. We're we're just asking you tonight at 6 o'clock when your alarm goes off. Everybody got it set? Here's all I'm asking you to do. Just stop and pray about this. Pray and ask God what you need to give next Sunday. Ask God where you need to be in our small group ministry. Do you need to start a group? Do you need to stay in the same group? Do you need to reach out to some friends and say, hey, let's get together and let's do this. But just for a moment, at 6 p.m. tonight, just pray about it and think about it. You might need at 6 o'clock tonight, I know I do, is probably to make some phone calls to some people and say, hey, Hey, I hope you'll be in our group. I know you haven't been in a group, and we're starting this group. We're multiplying. we got room for you. But 6 o'clock tonight, I'm telling you, if that would bring you some urgency, it would be amazing. So let me ask you as we close out this morning. We've gotten really specific today. I love that. And I love what God, I just have all the faith in the world, what God is going to do these next two weeks. In missions and small groups, which is all missions. I want to ask you, though, as we enter these two weeks, is the mission of God a big deal in your life? I know you like it. I know you believe what the Bible says. I know you'd say, that's right, buddy. Hope it happens. 
But the question is going to be, or you can be a part of it. The question this morning to see if it's a big deal is, is it urgent? You see, if it's urgent, you act. If it's not urgent, you'll go, okay, another mission Sunday. Maybe I'll give next year. Another small group here? Well, I'll wait a year and a half when they reorganize again. If it's urgent, you can do something even at 6 o'clock tonight. Because here, here's the cool thing to me, is when we get urgent, we can do amazing things. Here's something that sort of blown my mind over the last couple of weeks. Is when we inaugurate a new president, the White House has five hours to change everything about the living quarters and the Oval Office. Because as the White House chief usher would say, we want the outgoing president to feel so comfortable when he's walking out of his room, everything's exactly the way it's been for him. And when the incoming president comes in, we want everything to be set up so they've got five hours in between the time they drive off in the limousine to the inauguration and the incoming president comes for everything to change. So when the new president arrives, every piece of furniture is in place. All the pictures are hung exactly where they wanted them. Him and his wife's clothes are all on the rack. And it's as minuscule as this. The commander-in-chief's toothbrush will be on the sink, right on the counter. Because they want everything. And so, hey man, we get urgent about this because this is our president. We want, we want things right for the outgoing, the incoming. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make it happen. And guys, here, here's what kills me is, man, we can get urgent about something like that. They're really not very important. I see other organizations and things in our world where we get so urgent, man. We've got to win this game. We've got to do this. I've got to make this goal at work. I got, that, that, that's all cool. Because here's what it does. It proves when we get urgent, things happen. And today, what we're saying is, if we get urgent about the mission of God, it will be carried out in our world. I mean, if you're worried about our world today, this is the answer. So this morning, we're about to sing. If today's the day for you to become a Christian, or today's the day that you need to finally ask the prayers of the church, or today's the day for you to rededicate yourself for this mission, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Do it now. Because of the cross of Christ, the command of Christ, and the coming of Christ. Do it now as we stand together and sing.